Well, so you probably, some of you probably already know this. For Christmas, um, our families create an Amazon wish list for gift buying. And some items I put on that list are things that will kind of just be for fun, like another nerdy Star Wars shirt or another nerdy Lord of the Rings shirt. Those are kind of like the for fun things. don't really need that, but it's fun. But then the other items I put on the list are things that uh, I consider as, I don't know if you call it utility items or what it would be. Like, okay, this is something that uh, would make you know, whatever this other task is easier and, or be uh, just something I need to complete a project. And throughout the year, I'll pay attention to moments when I feel like, oh, it would be really great if I had this because it would make this so much easier, and then I kind of put them on my list. And so one of those things, it, and, well, the way I measure these gifts is by kind of how much of a difference does it make in my life. Like, I'll throughout the year, I'll say to Katie, like, this was a really good gift idea because it's like I'm using it like every day or it made this thing way easier. Or it's like I use it so often I don't even remember that I have it anymore. And so it's kind of like, does it make something easier? Does it make something more enjoyable? Does it relieve a problem I have? Does it fulfill a need? And so, for instance, I use a French press a lot of times to make coffee. But one of the problems with the French press is that it doesn't heat the water up. So either you have to have a drip coffee maker and send the water through it with no grounds, then you have a little pot of hot coffee or hot water, or you get a tea kettle and warm up the water on that. It's just kind of all inconvenient. And so I had the idea, oh... I'll put one of those electric tea kettles on my wish list, and we use it, I mean, weekly, if not daily, to make tea or coffee, and it's like, just put the water in, hit the button, whatever temperature you want, it warms it up. And so I consider this tea kettle a really good gift because of how often I use it. It's made a big difference in my life. And if I heard you had the same problem with your French press, I'm hearing, oh, you have that problem, I could say, oh, here's this thing that has made a difference for me, this electric tea kettle. And you, if you at, like listening to something, you know, maybe a podcast or music while you mow your lawn or while you work out, but the issue is you keep kind of snagging the cord or, you know, the, the, the wire or whatever when you're, you know, I'm trying to, you're trying to do lawn work oh, or you're trying to work out and you snag it and pull out of, out of your ears, I could then tell you I had that problem too. And what I got was wireless headphones and it was just a game changer. Now I don't have to worry about snagging it. They're just in my ear. I don't have to snag it. And if you told me that you like board games, but they keep kind of getting messed up in the box, all the pieces come out, or the top kind of loosens up, whatever, I could show you, I had a bag of all this stuff, and I forgot to bring it up here with me, but there's these really huge rubber band things that kind of have like four bands, and so you put them on the box, there's a little band on each side of the box, that keeps your board games nice, I could say, I know how to fix that problem, I've got this thing, and it made a difference for me. And oftentimes we're telling people about the difference something has made for us. We might be telling somebody about a mechanic or a plumber or I got this car. Katie and I kind of rave about our Prius. It's a 2008, but it was the first car we had that had like keyless entry. And it's like, how do we live without keyless entry? Because if you're carrying groceries and a, a kid, you can just walk up to it and like you have your one little finger and it unlocks it. Oh, this is so great. And then it's like we use our other car that doesn't have it. It's like, what did I do when I didn't have keyless entry? This is so difficult. And you might tell people, or other people might tell you, oh, you have to try this, or, or check out this restaurant, you won't regret it. Or they might say, I just can't live without this thing. It's made, you know, I just really love this. And we all have needs and wants and problems in our lives. And when we find something that makes a difference, and then we hear that somebody else has that need, or they have that problem, or they have that desire, we'll say, oh, here's the thing I found uh, that made a difference for me in that situation. And when we do something kind of, you know, weird or 
odd when it comes to thinking about this on the spiritual level. And I can say this because I'm speaking from experience because I do it. The odd thing we do as Christians is that we're a bit afraid or apprehensive about telling people the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. We might tell people all these other things that have made a difference, you know, with unsolicited, just be like, you know, how was your week? Oh, you know, I got this really great gift, and you know, this is so cool. We'll tell people about things like that. And as humans, the reality is that we all have the same deep spiritual needs, same deep spiritual problems, the same deep spiritual desires. And that's, so that's the reality as humans. And then as Christians, if you call yourself a Christian, we have found the answer to those problems, those needs, those desires. As followers of Jesus, we have found the person who makes all the difference in the world. And yet, we tend to filter Jesus out of our conversations. Perhaps we hope people will see the difference that Jesus made in our lives, but we don't really want to tell them about the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. And today's message in the next couple, you know, I was some last couple of years, it's felt like the fall. God has helped me see like this is an area that would be a great kind of growth theme for the next year. And so I was planning on doing one message on it, and I was like, yeah, but I want everyone to hear about this, like kind of where what the growth theme for this year is, and then I was like, there's no way everyone's going to be here um, just the one Sunday, and then as I was preparing the message, I was like, actually, there's kind of like, it's almost like a, a, um, a string that has like three chords that are kind of making this one theme, and so it's kind of going to be three messages, possibly four, and I'm just going to repeat the same one all three weeks, so no, I'm just, it's going to be different, each chord is going to be kind of different, and so... Um, I'm excited about it to be able to share, uh, talk about this. And this year, I want it to be a year of learning to tell people the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. And my hope and prayer is that by the end of this year, it wouldn't just be like we got really busy telling people about Jesus, but that we were uh, filled with gratitude because we see the difference that Jesus made, and that leads to joy, and then we just can't help but tell people about the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. Uh, and so I hope that we would come to a place of greater gratitude that leads to deeper joy. And I want us to be uh, soaked in Jesus' love for us that we just can't help but talk about it to other people. And so this morning, we're going to go back. Last year, we were in the Gospel according to Luke. We're going to get back to the... And we did kind of the first section of it. And we're going back to one of those stories in the Gospel according to Luke, and we'll get to the rest of it later this year. Uh, but we looked at Luke... Chapter 8, verses 22 to 39, and there's lots of elements in the story we could focus on. We're going to focus on this guy that has an encounter with Jesus, what he was like before, what he was like after, and then what he does about that. And so first, verses 26 through 33, uh, tell us what was this man's life like without Jesus. And so let's read those. And put yourself into his shoes and pay attention to what he's experiencing. Don't see this as like, well, this is just a guy who says he has a ton of demons in him, and that's just so foreign to my life. But look at what that experience, what that makes his life like because he, he has these demons in his life. Put yourself in his shoes and try to feel what it's like to be him. So verses 26 through 33. It says, When they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee, uh, then, they, then they sailed. And when Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? 
I beg you, do not torment me. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to, not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. And so if you put yourself in this man's shoes, let's just answer the question together. Uh, what is this man's life like? What was it like to be him? So can you, let's just throw out some of those ideas. What is it like to be this guy? How does he feel? What's he experiencing? He's isolated. Isolated, yep. Controlled by demons. Controlled, yeah. I mean, have you ever felt like, I keep, what Paul says, I keep wanting to do this thing or not do this thing, but I keep doing the opposite, you know, feeling like something else is almost controlling you. Homeless. Homeless? Hopeless. 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 And homeless, yeah. He's, I mean, why would you feel like if you're this guy, it's like, can anything help me? And he's homeless, he doesn't have a house. I mean, have you ever felt that? Like, I don't know if we're going to make this rent payment. Or maybe you have been homeless at some point, needing to sleep on somebody's couch or something. Yeah, anything else? What was he his life like? Prisoner. Prisoner, yeah. Both by the demons and the people putting shackles on him. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's, word, there's tons of good answers. and put your, We can put ourselves in his shoes. And here, a list that I made was out of control, hurting and in pain, hurting others and hurting himself, broken relationships, estranged from those he loves, alone, angry, homeless, broken. His life is unmanageable. He's tormented. He's seen as a threat. People are pushing him away or trying to fix him. And that's, I mean, I've been in those situations feeling that way. And if you, if you have surrendered to Jesus, you were this man. This was your life. And perhaps not to the same degree as him, but this was your life. If you haven't surrendered to Jesus, you are this man. Uh, people everywhere, everyone is experiencing spiritual darkness. Perhaps not as extreme or as obvious as he is, but without Jesus, to some degree, we're living in spiritual darkness, just like this man was. And you have people in your life this man to, uh, to some degree. They're experiencing the effects of spiritual darkness. And everyone who does not know Jesus is on the same path as this man. They might be less far along on the path, but they're in uh, toward a path of Satan and spiritual darkness destroying their lives um, now and forever. And so that's the trajectory, ultimate trajectory anyone is on without Jesus. And so what difference does Jesus make in verses 34 through 39 uh, we see uh, how he's different because of this encounter he had with Jesus. And so verse 34 says, When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. And then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And so he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away 
proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. And so let's ask again, what difference did Jesus make in this man's life? What is now true of him because of Jesus? What's now different about him? What's changed? Let's throw those ideas out there. Well, he's kind of... It's kind of like the. It's kind of like he's the opposite in a way, because mm-hmm. whereas he was restless and driven, now he's sitting down. Mm-hmm. And where he was naked, now he's clothed. And where he was, where his, uh, he was in a mind state of darkness, now he's in his right. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like transition to a total opposite of what he Yeah, does. a reversal. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good list. Any other ways that we see this man is now different? Now people love him. Yeah. Are they, are they afraid? Are they At least they're not afraid of him anymore. Yeah. Now they're afraid of Jesus. Yeah. They who gave did this? Clothes, and that's a sign of love. What was the clothing? They gave him clothes. That's a sign okay. So people are caring for him. I mean, they're willing to sit there with him like he's a normal guy now, rather than like, so let's just get him out of the way. He has a freedom to move around. I can do what he wants. Yeah, that's. I, yeah, I didn't thought about that. How now he's like, I don't have to be in these tombs. I can go with Jesus, and I can go back to my home. Yeah, I can do stuff, move around. Thirty-six. It says he was made well. Yeah. That was, is that NIV? Or is, is uh, NASB. NASB. Okay. okay like the he's been healed, or he's been made well. He has another way to say it. Yeah. Well, the. Um, I know it says saved. Saved, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so now he's saved. And you can see a lot of, in Scripture, you see a lot of um, transitions like this, you know, from death to life, from slavery to freedom. And you see this man experiencing all of them. So I wrote, from tormented to free, from wild, reckless, and dangerous to calm, from out of his mind to in his right mind, from hurting to healed. He wants to follow Jesus now. No obligation. He doesn't feel any obligation to that. He's thankful and grateful. And the people who knew this man uh, before Jesus, when they see what difference Jesus has made, they're actually afraid. It's like so big of a difference that they're afraid of it. And then Jesus gives this guy one job. What should he do now that Jesus has done this in his life? Let's reread verses 38 and 39 together. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with them, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. So the man responds to what Jesus has done for him with surrender. That's what's in our mission statement, that we are surrendering all of life to Jesus, inviting others to do the same. And he wants to be with Jesus. He wants to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus has become the most important person to him because of the difference that Jesus made in his life. But Jesus doesn't let the man come with him. He says, no, I have a different job for you. You're going to live out your life as a follower of mine in a different place. You're not going to come with me physically. And he says, I want you to live out your life as a disciple among the people you know, among your family and your friends back home. All those people who know what you were like before today you had this encounter with me. And these are the people who knew what he was like without Jesus. They're the people who watched his life slowly deteriorate as darkness took over him more and more. And the job that Jesus gave him was to declare, we've used this list in other settings, uh, his frank list, friends, relatives, 
uh, acquaintances, neighbors, co-workers, Jesus says, I want you to go back and declare how much God has done to, for you to those people, your friends, your relatives, your acquaintances, your neighbors, your co-workers. And I think at times we've made talking to people about Jesus a bit too complicated, uh, that we often are thinking he's this big gospel presentation. And that there certainly needs uh, times for that. Katie and I, I had those stacked on my desk. I forgot to bring them. I was going to bring these little booklets that we were trained to use called the Knowing God Personally booklet, or the KGP was kind of the abbreviation. When we worked with college students for two years, and prior to that, that was like one of the essential trainings we wanted to take every college student through. It was four, used to be called the four spiritual laws, but it was four points that God has a wonderful plan for your life, sin separated you from him, and then Know, responding to Jesus and what the change that can make in your life. And that's how we were trained to share the gospel. And it's you know short, it's pretty easy, but it does require training. And often what doesn't work about it very well, one of its limitations, is that it doesn't really fit naturally into our everyday relationships and conversations. Um, and I feel like I've been on a journey like the last eight, nine years of trying to figure out like what does it look like to be having gospel conversations with people without having it be, okay, I want to share this thing with you now. Will you do that with me? Um, and I think when we are trying to share that way, um, we're in this situation. We have, we're, we're friends with someone who isn't a believer. We have a desire to share the gospel for them, or at least we feel like I should share the gospel with them. And so we wait and wait and wait until the right opportunity comes up to do so. And we might pass on multiple opportunities because we get this pit in our stomach. We feel anxious and nervous. And I say, not today. I, you know, I'm not just feeling up to it today. Like, or we feel like, oh, I missed that moment to share the gospel with them. And then finally, one day, we work up the courage, share the gospel with them. We hope they respond well because otherwise it's going to be very awkward from this point forward. And I would say, would I say we should never do this? No. Scripture has examples where people come speak to their relatives or speak to a group of people and they say, here's the gospel, here's what it is, and do you want to respond? That's an example in scripture, and so that's a valid way to share the good news. However, I think it it puts a lot of pressure on one moment in time in a relationship. We build up to it, we get nervous and anxious about it, and it doesn't fit naturally into our normal, everyday conversations. And I just kind of want to simplify it, not, you know, just from what we see in this story, the most natural and personal way for us to tell, share the gospel is simply to tell people how much God has done for us. What difference Jesus has made in our lives. And not to do it just one time, but to do it throughout our everyday conversations. Not, I'm going to build up to this moment where I say, hey, I'm a Christian, I'd like to tell you how much Jesus has done for me. That's totally, you can do that, it's totally fine. That's a great way. If you want to make a list of all your friends and neighbors and family and go do that, like, go for it. That, <laughs> that'd be amazing. I think that's kind of what this guy does. Because Jesus sends him back, and then he goes and tells anyone who's willing to listen how much Jesus has done for him. So it's this moment where he's just like, I'm just going to do this, and you can you know, do with it what you want. And so that's, that's valid. You proclaim throughout the whole city. And sometimes we do that. Hey, I, I just want to share with you this really important part of my life. I want to tell you how much Jesus has done for me. And I won't make it long. I'm not going to press you. I just want you to know it's really important to me. Uh, but notice that this man needed no training to do what he did. Jesus didn't have to tell them, okay, now here's how you tell people how much God has done for you. He also didn't need a pep talk to get over his fear of, uh, I know this is kind of scary, but here's the reasons that you cannot be afraid. 
Um, and either of those things, I think, are valid things we can do, but Jesus doesn't do it. He didn't need any of that. He already had, you know, he, he knew better than anybody how much God had done for him. In fact, he was an expert on the matter. He was the most expert person besides God of knowing how much God had done for him. He was an expert in sharing the gospel because he had firsthand knowledge of the difference Jesus had made in his life. I was one way, and now I'm this way. This is from, actually, if you're watching The Chosen Show, there's a really famous um, this about Jesus' disciples from their perspective. And when Mary Magdalene describes her, the change she had in her life, she says, I was one way, and now I'm another way. And in between was him. And she can't explain what happened, but she's like, it was this, I was this way, now I'm this way. And the change in the middle was him of where that you know, bridge created. And so this man knew what his life was like before, and he knew the difference Jesus had made. And so he didn't need this pep talk to get over his fear, but he wanted to tell people the difference Jesus had made in his life. It was natural. It flowed out of him. It was this overflow of gratitude and joy that he just couldn't hold in. And so he didn't need a training session or a pep talk. And his story may seem more dramatic than yours of what you've experienced in your life. Or maybe it seems not dramatic enough. You might feel like, yeah, I was worse off from this guy and Jesus came into my life. And I certainly can feel that my personal story of coming to Jesus isn't very exciting. And for this man, it seemed more like it was, if it was completely dark in here, a light switch was turned on and it became light. And my experience was more like uh, it was a dimmer switch where things were slowly getting brighter, gradually coming to this understanding. Like I always believed in God, but coming to an understanding around 10, like, okay, I know the gospel now. I know I trust in Jesus for my sins. I don't just have this belief in God. But then that, how much that was affecting my life and what difference Jesus was making gradually, you know, went up with the dimmer switch getting, um, uh, getting brighter and brighter. And the truth is that every person who calls himself a Christian is the story of King Jesus invading enemy territory, the enemy territory of darkness, and rescuing us from that. It doesn't matter how dramatic it was, how slow it was, how gradual, whether it's like, well, I grew up in a good Christian family, so my life never really got you know, off the rails. And I would say the same thing. I never really had a rebellious stage where it was like I just rejected God and you know, went off on my own way. But anybody who calls himself a Christian is a story of King Jesus invading, invading enemy territory to rescue us from darkness. If today you call Jesus your Lord, then you're the story of King Jesus breaking through enemy lines to rescue you from the enemy of darkness. And the amazing thing is that now Jesus sends his church on this rescue mission into enemy territory. He now does it through us. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church. And what does he say? It's going to have real big walls so nobody can get in and get you. You're going to have a fortress that you can't, you know, he's not building a building, but he's talking about his people. Like, I'm going to build real big walls so you're going to be safe. No, he doesn't say something that defensive. He says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is on offense through his church, not just, we just got to make it through this and hope that, you know, it all works out in the end. It's like, no, Jesus says, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church that I'm building. Jesus is invading enemy territory through us. And this means that the place that you live and the people you know and that you work with, your family, is not accidental. But you've been stationed there by King Jesus to be an ambassador for his kingdom, to work for his purposes. The job he's given you in all those is to tell your friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, and coworkers how much Jesus has done for you. I think this can take the pressure off us uh, in evangelism when we think about it, it's just telling people the, the difference Jesus has made in our lives. 
and not necessarily, like, I need to go through my Knowing God personally book, look all four points. I just need to find a moment where this person will let me do that, or ha- however you were maybe trained in the gospel have heard it explained before. And I want this to be a year where we grow in gratitude and joy for the difference Jesus made in our lives, which then just overflows to us telling others about it. And if you, know, if you remember kindergarten, at least my kindergarten, we did show and tell. And think of yourself as God's show and tell to the world is that God wants to see, this is the difference I can make in my life. And he's like, look at this person, it's, you know, show and tell. Like, you know, look at Larry, look at Katie, look at Joe. This is the difference that Jesus has made in this person's life. And he wants to tell people about it through you. And so your life shows them what he's like, your words tell them what he's like. And you're God's show and tell to your friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, coworkers. You're God's show and tell wherever you live, work, and play. And perhaps you're thinking, well, I don't really think people in my life want to hear about Jesus, about God, or about my faith. And that might be true. But I think that many times we assume they don't want to hear it, or we fear how they'll respond, and we just say no for them. Instead of allowing them to make their own decision, we just say no for them because we're too afraid of them actually saying no to us. And so they don't get to hear. And there was a research project completed recently that surveyed people who weren't a part of our church, a church. Uh, the findings were published in a book called You Found Me, and the subtitle's interesting. New research on how unchurched nuns, not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S, this is people that mark on a spiritual survey, what's your religion? And they say none or no preference. So how, new research on how unchurched nuns Millennials and irreligious are surprisingly open to Christian faith. And one of the statements they asked unchurched people to respond to was this. If a friend of mine really values their faith, I don't mind them talking about it. And they had to, you know, say if they agree or disagree or strongly agree or strongly disagree with that. And so 45% said they somewhat agree. If a friend of mine really values their faith, I don't mind them talking about it. 45% said, yeah, I somewhat agree with that. I don't mind them talking about it. 34% strongly agreed. Yeah, I strongly agree that I don't mind them talking about it. Three, uh, and then um, only 13% somewhat disagreed. Only 5% strongly uh, disagreed. And then 13% or 3% were not sure. And so the key to notice is that 79% of Friends in our lives are open, don't mind us talking about our faith. 79% is what that adds up to, uh, of unchurched friends. If we value it, if we value it, if it's made a difference in our life, if that's something important to us, 79% don't mind us talking about it. And that's four out of five people who don't mind hearing about our faith if it matters to us. And under other findings they shared are that one out of two uh, people say they would accept an invitation from a friend or family member to attend a church. And, that, and then one out of every three unchurched people expect to be regularly attending church in the future. And the point this book tries to make is that people in our lives are a lot more open to just hearing about what we believe and about our faith and the difference Jesus has made in our lives uh, than we often think they are or that we assume they are. And so let's just think about the types of conversations we have with people. What do people tell us about? Well, they'll tell us about what they did over the weekend. Um, they'll tell us about how their holiday was. They'll tell us what they're looking to, forward to with no filter. And many people just feel the, the freedom to 
tell us their unsolicited opinions about politics, masks, vaccines, Christianity, whether they think it's a joke or not, the Pope, sports, and whatever else, with no filter about what they believe. And people are often telling us about products, places, or people that have made a difference in their lives, recommending them to us. TV shows, shows, restaurants, mechanics, carpenters, scalp massagers, coffee drinks. Never actually been told about a scalp massager, but you know, just throwing it out there. And we do the same thing. We tell people about the things that we did over the weekend or that made a difference or like things that helped us. But we often filter Jesus out. We often filter God out. The thing that has made the most difference in our lives, we often filter it out. We filter out all things that are connected to our faith. I'm speaking from experience. Maybe you're saying, I don't really do that. And that's awesome if you don't, but I'm speaking from my experience and what I feel like I've found over the years as I've walked with Jesus and walked with other people, uh, is that we filter those things out. We don't tell people that. I went to a worship gathering with my church family over the weekend, and here was the message, and it was really great. Uh, we don't tell people about the encouraging thing we read in the Bible. How's it going today? I, you know, I read this really interesting verse in the Bible. It's just really encouraging me. I really needed to hear that. Um, we, we don't tell people about serving with our church. We don't tell people about the good conversation we had about God with someone. We don't tell people about how God has blessed us this week. You know, how is it going? It's just way better than I deserve. I mean, God has just blessed me. He just shows his love for me every day. And I was like, cool. Here's your you know, venti mocha, whatever. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we could so easily say those things. And I'm not advocating that you sit down and tell everyone your testimony, although I wouldn't be opposed to it if you wanted to do that. Uh, I'm advocating that we just turn the filter off, that we get better at seasoning all of our conversations and relationships with the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. That that's just, instead of removing that seasoning, you know, like, let's just take the salt out of this. And, but if, unless we have the salt in, we don't know if people are thirsty for what we're saying. When salt, you know, seasoned conversations with what Jesus has done for you in your life. And the, the principle we can follow is this. Be who you are, see who wants more. Just be who you are and see who wants more. You're a follower of Jesus. You're a child of God. You're someone for whom Jesus has made an enormous difference in your life. And so just be who you are. You're a follower of Jesus. Jesus has done a lot for you. You would be dead without him. And you can just be who you are and see who wants more. And some people will just move on from your, what you say about God. And it's like, okay, cool. You know, and they'll change the topic. And some people might be like, tell me more about that. And you could be the person talking to someone like this guy in the story, and what you say could be the thing that wakens them up from their spiritual darkness. But we'll never know unless we just be who we are. So don't filter Jesus out. Be who you are and see who wants to hear more. And like I said, this is a journey we're going on together because I'm trying to grow in this as well. And I want to grow in this because I believe one of the most powerful and personal ways we can share about our faith. It's by just telling people how much Jesus has done for us. This is who I was. This is who I would have been. You know, all these things. And so I want to get practical. I'm going to give you two questions, kind of like the general questions for you to reflect on. Then I'm going to give you a little handout for more specific stuff. These two questions are, what difference has Jesus made in your life? What difference has Jesus made in your life? And I want to encourage you to reflect on this this week and not to approach it like homework, but instead of a, as a time of worship, any time we're thinking about what God has done for us and thanking him, that's worship. And so reflect on what difference has Jesus made in your life? And then, more in the present, what dif- difference is Jesus making in your life? So what dif- difference has Jesus made in your life? 
What difference is Jesus making in your life right now? I'll bring these around. I'm not going to go through this, but there's just a little list I made of perhaps areas that you could look for um, the difference Jesus has made. Just areas of reflection. You can just use this as a worship time. Maybe, maybe you might try to write down one thing a day for this next week. Of like, this is the you know, if without Jesus, this is where I'd be. I'd be selfish, or I'd be angry, or I would have really lot worse relationships. Like because of Jesus, I tried, I pursued a broken relationship, my my sister, and I have a broken relationship with her. And so because of Jesus. I went and pursued that. You can, you know, bring those, think about how Jesus has affected your relationships. And so you could try to come up with one each day or block off 30 minutes to write down, you know, as much as you can think about. And so, you know, just a ca- if you don't know what deep difference Jesus is currently making in your life, then it's possibly an indication that you're on autopilot spiritually. It may be an indication that you've shifted into relying on yourself instead of relying on God. It may be an indication that your life is too hurried and busy or you're filling your spare time with things other than God or both. You don't have much free time and the free time you use, you do have, you use to pursue things besides God. And if that's the case, then this message is an invitation for you to return to Jesus to consider how much, what, is he, what difference has he made in my life? What difference is he currently making in my life? This is an invitation to find joy in Christ by saying thank you for all he's done in your life. And if you're thinking, uh, if you can't think of any difference Jesus has made, then either you have forgotten or you haven't really surrendered to him because Jesus always makes a difference in our lives. And so you might look at this list and be like, you know what, I don't know if he's making a difference in my parenting. I don't know if he's making a difference in how I handle my finances. And that's okay. You You can see, okay, he's made a difference, but these are still areas that, He's working on, and these are areas where I need to surrender my finances to him, or my parenting, or you know anything else. And the reason this is important is that is because God can use our human struggles, our problems, our desires, um, our things that were, are challenging us. That these are human struggles that we have in common with other people, and God can use those as a bridge. Um, for Jesus to enter that person's life. Because it's like, I'm dealing with that. Or I've dealt with that. This is the difference Jesus has made for me. Like, I'm hearing you're having that problem. You're having that desire. You're having that struggle. And that's a way we can connect with people. And so we're going to try something a little uh, different. There's a lot of times at the beginning of the service, um, we'll have time where we kind of share out loud, thanking God for who he is or what he's done. I want you to take a couple minutes and look at this list, um, and maybe grab a bulletin, and write down the difference Jesus has made in your life, or the difference he is making in your life. And after you do that, we're just going to close our eyes, and be praying to God together, saying, thank you for those things. And so you'll, you can share those things on your list. You know, thank you um, that you love me, you've made me your child. That's the difference he's made in our life. So take some time to do that, and then we'll do it together.